Hello and welcome back to another episode of Locked on Spartans. It is Friday, August 2nd, 2019. I'm your host, Will Hunter. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. So we've got uh, the release of the Amway Coaches Poll, USA Today Amway Coaches Poll, which is uh, one of two sort of, I don't know, official polls for college football, at least for the first half of the season. you got that poll and then you've got the AP poll, although polls aren't really great. Uh, when you have a bunch of people who aren't actually watching all of the teams, uh, it's a it's an impossible task to ask them to vote on the top 25 teams uh, week in and week out. I think you can get a decent idea of the, the group of teams that are the top teams in college football, you know, week in and week out. But as far as specifics and should this team be number four or number five, that's really tough to do. Um you know, the, I think the committee probably does a teeny bit better job because they're able to narrow their scope. Um, I don't know why I'm already getting into takes here. This is the intro. Um, I'm going to save that. We're going to talk about Michigan State and the Amway Coaches Poll. Um, <laughs> wow. I uh, almost just did uh, the entire first segment there. Don't know why I did. Uh, first segment, going to react to Michigan State being at number 20 in the Amway Coaches Poll. And then segments two and three, uh, fall practice opens up. Some things that uh, I want to talk about as Michigan State heads into fall camp. A couple things that I'm looking forward to watching play out. Um, and this will just be a couple things. We'll do this next week as well. There are a lot of things to talk about. And, you know, throughout the process, especially leading up to including the first scrimmage, second scrimmage, you know, we'll start to get maybe some answers to these questions. So we'll just keep sort of building on these types of uh, segments, these types of shows as we preview uh, the season before, you know, the last week of the, the, whatever you want to call it, the last week of summer before the, the, uh, I keep wanting to say Tulane, but it's Tulsa before the Tulsa game uh, where we'll, you know, kind of get into the last of our preseason stuff and start actually breaking down what's going to happen and what we're looking for from Michigan State on game one. So today we do a couple segments on, uh, you know, just the opening of camp here for segments two and three. Reminder to rate, review, and subscribe to Locked On Spartans wherever you get podcasts, uh, wherever you find podcasts. You can you can get Locked On Spartans. So hit that subscribe button. Also, uh, head over to iTunes, rate, review, give five-star rating, leave a nice review. I appreciate that. And if you uh, are just itching for football and Locked On Spartans is not enough, we've also got uh, Locked On Lions gearing up for the Lions season going. And then here at the Locked On Podcast Network, we've also kind of revamped the uh, Locked On NFL show. It's a really good show. Uh, and you should definitely check that out. They are, you know, about to hit their stride as training camp really gets going. We've got the Hall of Fame game uh, being played. The full week of preseason is coming up, and teams are really starting to, you know, get things going as the NFL season arrives. So if you're looking for an NFL podcast to get you ready for the season, look to uh, Locked on Lions, Locked on Bears. If you're a Bears fan here in West Michigan or the Chicago area, uh, whatever your team is, they've got it. Locked On's got it, or the Locked On NFL show for a broader one. And then we've also got Locked On Fantasy as well to help you get ready for your fantasy football draft. So a lot of football coming your way. We got a lot of content for you to help you get through uh, the last little bit of non-footballness that we've got here. All right, let's uh, let's get into the show. Okay, so Michigan State, as I was starting to say and starting to just do the segment in the intro, uh, Michigan State comes in at number 20 in the Amway Coaches Poll. 
uh, one of two sort of credible polls, this in the AP poll. Then we've got the college football playoff rankings by the committee. And as I was saying, you know, don't put a ton of stock into these types of polls this early in the season because it's just an impossible task to rank all the teams in the country, especially when they haven't played a single game yet. Uh, you can get a general idea of who the good teams are, who's going to be struggling. But in terms of the minutia of ranking a team five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, like what's the difference this early? But still, it is content. It's something interesting to talk about. So we're going to talk about it here. Uh, first blush, I guess, a little bit surprised to see MSU at 20. I thought if they were going to get into the rankings, it'd be 23, 24, 25. Uh, if I had to sort of put money on this uh, ahead of time, I would have said they would be one of the first three or four teams in the others receiving votes category. Uh, instead, you know, Nebraska was the Big Ten team there, and there's kind of a little sleeper darling, that team that people seem to like this year. I thought Michigan State could kind of fill that role as a team just falling outside the top 25, but is still someone, you know, a team people have their eyes on. And so a little surprised to see them that high. I think it's, um, you know, if I was going to try to be totally objective and rank uh, an entire preseason ranking, I'd probably have Michigan State slot in somewhere around there. Uh, maybe a little bit higher because of what they return on defense. It's just so outstanding that, you know, it's kind of easy to peg them as having one of the best defenses in the country. And then just with, you know, what I know about what happened last season on offense, uh, with every single starter except one uh, missing games using 12, I think, different starting, com- or no, 11 or 12 different starting combinations on the offensive line. Almost every single game had a different starting five on the offensive line. All the other injuries, LJ Scott, Felton Davis going out, uh, the quarterback playing with a torn shoulder, that whole terrible mismanagement seesaw situation. Uh, Just a lot of things went wrong on that side of the ball. And there's enough talent there that you can say, hey, with a little bit better injury luck and just some consistent you know, a presence, consistent availability from these players, this can be an average offense, a mediocre offense. And that paired with this defense is enough to get you uh, to a 10 win season in college football. And so, you know, I would have thought maybe 16, 17, 18, if I'm really trying to assess it, but I totally understand how Michigan State comes in underrated to the season. A lot of these polls, especially the preseason ones are kind of based on what happened at the end of the last season if you win your bowl game and return a lot of starters like here's the key to being a preseason top 10 team win eight nine or ten games win your bowl game in some interesting and exciting fashion and then bring back a bunch of people unless you're Michigan uh, if you're Michigan you're just in there regardless but otherwise uh, for some reason uh, obviously Alabama and Clemson are going to be slotted in there and Georgia too just because their talent is so overwhelming but every other team if you want to be a preseason top 10 team, win 8, 9, 10 games, return a bunch of people and have a really nice bowl performance, or be the University of Michigan and you'll get in there regardless. So that's sort of the the methodology for this, and Michigan State was just dreadful down the stretch last season, especially, uh, I mean, you know, exclusively offensively. They're outstanding on defense, 55 points over the last uh, five games to some pretty damn good offenses. They were awesome on defense, and, you know, they just couldn't muster up any little bit of life on the offensive end. And so, you know, that red box bowl was ugly. And that's the last time these, you know, the people voting on these polls saw Michigan State play football, but there's also an established reputation. There's uh, the knowledge that there were injuries, you know, 
Some people probably know the extent of them. Some just know it was bad, don't know quite how bad. And then you can just look and see all the guys on the defensive side of the ball, all the talent on that side of the ball, and some good skill players. And you can end up with them, you know, somewhere in the 20 ish range. So I think it's fair that they ended up there. So I think they're kind of ranked just right if I had to sort of say it that way. Well, I think they're still underrated coming into the season. I think their ranking right now is is perfectly fair. It's It's a nice nod to what Mark D'Antonio has accomplished at Michigan State, what the Michigan State football brand is, the fact that they've shown the ability to bounce back, be resilient. You know, the two worst seasons since this thing got going for D'Antonio after, you know, say 20, uh, 2010, 2009 into 2010 when there was really D'Antonio had his stamp. It was his program. You know, the two worst seasons they've had, they've bounced back from in a huge way. They go 500 or they ended up seven and six in 2012, and they go 13 and one the next season. Then they go three and nine in 2016, and go 10 and three the year after that. So they've shown the ability to bounce back. There's a lot of respect for Mark D'Antonio, a lot of respect for what this program has done, and a lot of respect for what they have on the defensive side of the ball. And that's going to carry some weight to it. So uh, while I'm not putting a ton of stock into something like this, I, I think it's a fair representation. Uh, it's funny to see you know, fan bases really overreact to this. There's a fan base in the state of Michigan in particular that really likes to overreact to this. Uh, Michigan comes in at number seven. I think Ohio State was five, Michigan seven, Penn State 14, uh, Wisconsin 17 or 18, and then Iowa was 19. Iowa and Wisconsin might be flipped there. Uh, And then Northwestern was at 25. Nebraska was first receiving votes. And then Minnesota got one vote as well. So those are your big 10 teams here. That was off the top of my head. But Michigan comes in at seven. It's almost like death and taxes, right? That sort of death, taxes, X cliche. It's death, taxes, Michigan um, being ranked high in the preseason, people reacting to Michigan being ranked high in the preseason, Michigan fans reacting to people reacting to Michigan being ranked high in the preseason. Uh, I just kind of clicked on some national writers tweeting the the rankings or saying something about Michigan and just love to read the reaction from Michigan fans, um, you know, like just trying to defend their preseason ranking, A, like it matters, or B, like there's any way to defend it with on-field results uh, in the last 16 years or so. I, I went through just real quickly just, just to see the last time Michigan finished the season in the top seven of either the AP or the coaches poll. And you got to go all the way back to 2003 for them to do that. In that same time, I think Ohio State's done it 12 times. Michigan State's done it three or four times. And it was all in, uh, I think, a three-year stretch, uh, 2013, 14, and 15. Yeah. And they were all top five uh, for those three. Penn State's done it a couple of times. Boise State's done it like three times. I was just like kind of clicking through because it got fun there. So that was the last time Michigan's done it. They We know they have no grounds to stand on. Uh, and it's not even a fight worth having at this point. We're still a month away from teams actually kicking a, a football off and playing football. But it's still always fun to see. You can, like the sun rising in the east and setting in the west, you can count on Michigan fans being overhyped about their preseason rankings uh, and getting mad at anybody who dares to say that they might be a little bit overrated because they've yet to prove that they deserve any kind of ranking like that. All right, let's take a break there for segment one. When we get back, I'll jump into some headlines, some things, some storylines that I'm looking for as Michigan State has opened fall camp. 
Exciting time. Football is near. You can get Locked on Spartans. Nope, don't want to read that. Support of Locked on Spartans comes from Manscaped, who is number one in men's below-the-belt grooming. You may have seen them on Shark Tank. Uh, They did a great job on Shark Tank, I'm sure. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They have a copywriter who writes sweet rhymes, too. I like that. Uh, Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. That is a wonderful line. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code LOCKEDON at manscaped.com. That's 20% off at manscaped.com with the promo code LOCKEDON. And you get Locked On Spartans on the brand-new podcasting app Himalaya, as well as Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get podcasts, Podbean. I don't even know. I could just make something up, and it sounds like a podcast name. Wherever you get podcasts, you can find Locked On Spartans. Hit that subscribe button. And when you get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on Spartans. All right, welcome back to segment two of today's Locked on Spartans. Let's talk about some storylines. So we'll talk plenty about Brian Lewerke. We'll talk plenty about changes uh, to the offensive scheme. We're not going to see anything real or substantial to those things at all until Michigan State plays Tulsa week one. Uh, scrimmages are closed. Practices are primarily closed uh, aside for just some warm-up drills today media saw. Quarterbacks taking snaps, going through the motions, doing footwork, you know, uh, receivers catching a ball and going through cones, guys pushing sleds, guys pushing whatever, uh, just your standard stuff. And then, you know, once the real practice begins, install uh, technique work, different plays, uh, then the media is not present. And Michigan State is certainly secretive about what they do behind those green walls at the at the practice facility. Uh, and then the scrimmages closed off as well. We get stats, but they are not edited, but they are very selective and whose stats they give, why they give what stats. The scoring systems are weird, as we know, uh, and you can't really do much with it because you can't see it. It's, oh, Brian Lewerke threw for 200 yards and two touchdowns in the scrimmage, but he did it against the threes. We don't know who he did it against, so uh, we'll see. I don't expect any sort of information coming out about that. So we'll talk about it you know, through these next few weeks, but we're not going to get a ton of real concrete information about, uh, I think, the things that interest us the most. I think we will get some information about the running backs, and that's the first group I want to talk about <clears throat> Because it's no secret, D'Antonio was not happy with the group. The group did not produce well. I think they went for about, a th- yeah, it was 1,048 yards on 275 carries, if I'm remembering right. Good for 3.8 yards per carry. The offensive line was banged up, wasn't great in run blocking. That certainly is to blame for it. But between the LJ Scott injury, Ladarius Jefferson just learning the position, Connor Hayward being new to the position, still kind of raw. Uh, there just wasn't a lot of dynamic playmaking from that spot, and that has to change for Michigan State. Uh, you know, Hayward's the guy going into camp as much as you could call anyone the guy. I think he's probably got a lead going into camp. Uh, it's probably slight. Ladarius Jefferson's going to get a really good shot at this because, you know, he's going from an option quarterback now. He's had a year of experience under his belt. Uh, has he adjusted to the speed of play? Has he started to pick up the finer points of being a college running back, being able to run in traffic, use the physical tools that he has? Because he has things when you watch him run at times, you're like, okay, I can see it. I can see this working out for him, but he just wasn't a good running back yet. He was used an athlete. He was a raw athlete. Uh, and he's got to learn to run in between the tackles, learn when to bounce it outside, learn how to leverage his blocks, learn how to set up blocks. That's all stuff that takes time, experience, and you would hope, you know, just 
kind of the baptism by fire that he got last season. And then another off season, you know, working at this stuff that he's even better and can be, you know, a more effective player this year, because I think he's going to be heavily involved in the offense uh, behind those two. Uh, I think it starts to get interesting. You've got, you know, true freshman and Brandon Wright, and Anthony Williams Jr. We know a little bit about Anthony Williams Jr. because he enrolled early, played in the spring game, and did some things that you're like, oh, wow, that was good. Uh, he caught the ball out of the backfield. He made guys miss in open field, in the open field. Uh, he did some nice things there. Looked like a nice sort of change of pace guy to the power that Jefferson and Hayward bring. So that'll be. Uh, interesting to see how that plays out. I would think he's going to have some sort of role. Brandon Wright's a big physical runner. He's 220 pounds, true freshman, uh, a, a solid three-star recruit. Not quite, uh, you know, a four-star guy, but a, a high-ish three-star. So, you know, a decent recruit there. Comes into a situation a lot like Le'Veon Bell did. I'm not going to say he's Le'Veon Bell or going to be Le'Veon Bell, but he was uh, an interesting freshman coming into an unsettled group. And through that freshman season, Le'Veon Bell established himself, and it was like, okay. He's going to be the guy. And then starting his sophomore season, he was the guy. And then, you know, his junior season, he was certainly the only guy. Uh, I think Nick Hill got like three carries. But, you know, that's sort of the situation that Le'Veon Bell walked in. Can Brandon Wright walk into this situation and be a similar type of thing? Establish his presence because there's an opportunity. He's absolutely going to get a shot at this. What does he do with that? Is he, a, you know, is he a naturally instinctive runner? You know, he's not a speed guy. Is he able to use his power and agility, uh, find creases and just be good at running in traffic, running between the tackles, because that's a must at Michigan State. Then you got Eli Collins, uh, redshirt freshman, who, you know, we've heard nice things about him, pretty good pedigree coming out. I think he was in the top five or 600 and overall players in the entire country. So, Nice recruit there. Uh, he's bulked up a bit. You know, he's in at 220 or so pounds. So seems to be a Ladarius Jefferson type, you know, good good mix of size and athleticism, not just like a thumper uh, where you kind of think of Hayward that way because he's the biggest of the backs, but uh, a little bit more of that all-around type guy. And so I think he got two carries last year. Yeah, two carries last year for eight yards. Um he just needs experience. The coaches have said he's a guy we like. We're interested in him. He just needs experience. So all these guys I think are going to get a shot, and I'm not sure if someone's going to establish themselves. If someone does, that would be great. Like if Ladarius Jefferson just takes a leap and it's he's the guy, uh, that's fantastic. I think the most likely scenario is that we end up with some sort of committee to start some Hayward, some Jefferson, some uh, Anthony Williams Jr. doing stuff out of the backfield. And then we'll see if Eli Collins or Brandon Wright have something to say about this, if they can get some run early in the season and show that uh, they're the guy. They're the guy that needs to log 15 or so carries a game because Michigan State really needs that out of their backfield this season after you know what happened last season. It just wasn't productive enough. The offensive line you would hope would be healthier this season should be better, you would think, with experience, with you know, the, the, the whole group coming back, uh, they're doing the platoon thing, which I don't love, but maybe they'll settle into some positions here in the next couple of weeks. Uh, the offensive line, I would expect to be significantly better just because of health than they were last season. And the running backs need to take advantage of that. Whoever it is needs to establish themselves, or we could be playing running back musical chairs for the entire season. And that's not going to be great unless it's a case of, we've got three guys, a three man committee, and they're all, uh, they complement each other. Well, there's some speed, there's some power, there's ability to catch, there's versatility, uh, they complement each other well, and it's just a good group instead of a guy or two like Michigan State has really had. Um, so 
I'm not opposed to that committee approach. Michigan State seems to really like the Belkow situation. D'Antonio wants a guy who's going to carry the ball 200 times uh, or more in a season. I'm not sure that guy is in this group right now, uh, but we'll see how it plays out. All right, let's break right there for segment two. When we get back, I'll talk about uh, Xavier Henderson and then punting because I love punting. Uh, We'll do that after this quick break. Guys, Bombas, Bombas Socks, support of Lockdown Spartans comes in part from Bombas Socks. Bombas are the most comfortable socks in the history of feet. Plus, for every Bombas pair that you buy, they donate a pair of socks to someone in need. It's really, uh, I've always you know heard about this in different ads and podcasts and on the radio. Uh, and just, I always thought that was really cool. Every time they sell a pair, they donate a pair. Uh, it's that, you know, cut a tree down, plant two type mindset. And I really appreciate that from them. And the socks are great. Uh, great quality product. Find out more about what day, feet daydream about at bombas.com. Use code locked on today and get 20% off at bombas.com. That's promo code locked on at bombas.com. All right, welcome back to segment three of today's Locked On Spartans. Let's talk about Xavier Henderson because I think it's an underrated storyline. Uh, there's not a ton of intrigue, I guess, with the defense. It's just a good defense. And we know that, right? That's kind of where we're at. And their goal, when your goal in spring ball is to get 22 starters, that was their, you know, goal. That's what they told everyone. The goal is to find 22 starters. Uh, you're in a good spot and there's not a lot of questions that need to be answered. One of the big questions I think is what is Xavier Henderson because Josh Butler is going to step in for uh, Justin Lane, maybe Kalon Gervin or uh, Julian Barnett uh, have something to say about that. But, you know, Josh Butler's played a lot of cornerback at Michigan State. He played really well in the Red Box Bowl. He's been a really good player and done really good things. And I think he can be an effective number two cornerback uh, playing across from Josiah Scott. Xavier Henderson's a bit of a mystery. Uh, he played all 13 games last year, and that is. Uh, interesting for a number of reasons. Uh, they didn't redshirt him when they probably could have. Kari Willis and David Dowell had that stuff locked down. Could have played the two safeties all season, used someone else in nickel-type scenarios. Um, but Henderson was good enough that the staff felt like they had to get him on the field. Uh, he was a really good recruit, one of the best players uh, to come out of the state of Ohio in, in his senior class. Uh, really talented player, and they just he forced his way onto the field in one of the best defenses in the country. And Xavier Henderson's not staying at Michigan State for five years. Uh, I think he's too talented. I think they know he's too talented. Uh, I think the the goal is he starts this season, starts next season, and then has an NFL decision to make. Uh, maybe it's an easy one because he's played his way to a first, second, third round uh, grade. Maybe he wants to come back for that last season. Uh, who knows? But he's a three- or four-year guy. There's not a fifth-year with Xavier Henderson, uh, at least that player of that type of pedigree. So redshirting him doesn't do a ton of good. And then C, uh, the last thing here is that he's going to be replacing Kari Willis. He's the starter, and they knew that going into the season if all these things worked out. You know, Kari Willis is a senior. He's going. Someone's going to have to step up into his place. Hopefully it's Xavier Henderson. And so you can't just play a guy four games sparingly, redshirt him, and then expect him to pick up as a starter uh, seamlessly. It's not going to happen seamlessly if he had been playing consistently for two years. It's just a hard thing to do. 
And so you get him as much game action as you can last season. He plays in all 13 games. He plays a decent amount of snaps. Uh, you know, he enrolled early as well last season, and he's gone through the entire spring as the starter. He's known he's going to be the starter. He's been the presumptive starter there. So it's sort of a grooming process that they've gone through with him in hopes that by time the season opens, he is set and ready to go, and it's a pretty seamless transition. And he and David uh, Dowell could make up, I don't know, maybe the best uh, safety tandem that D'Antonio's ever had. Uh, Dowell is a pro. David Dowell is, if not the best, at least like the most physically gifted, athletic, just dudes you want playing safety for your team. David Dowell is one of the better free safeties uh, in the country. I think Mel Kuyper had him as the fourth senior, uh, fourth best senior free safety in the country, uh, and he just seems to keep getting better and better. Xavier Henderson has a ton of talent, and if he starts to realize that potential, you know, maybe there's some growing pains early, but if the back half of the season he's playing like an all-conference level safety, second team, third team, all-conference safety, uh, that duo is going to be awesome. Uh, and they're just both really athletic, really talented. Both can pl- make plays on the ball. Both can tackle. Both can do all the things you want in a safety. And that spot's really hard to sort of adjust to at Michigan State. I think it's one of the tougher positions to become a starter at. So uh, it's good that Henderson got all the experience last year, played in all 13 games as a true freshman, and is coming in as a true sophomore here with some good expectations. And I'm interested to see, uh, as camp rolls along, what the word is on him. How is he playing? How is he adjusting? Uh, Because I think, you know, maybe we can do some tea leave reading here and sort of see how that plays out. I I don't think anyone's going to challenge him for the job. Maybe somebody does. That would be a bad sign for me, but uh, just the word on him. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing where he's at right now and just sort of what he has to do to reach that potential that uh, at least I think he has. Last thing I want to talk about is, uh, real quick, Jake Hartbarger. Uh, coming back from the torn ACL, what is his health like? That is a question I'm hoping we get answered here. I think we'll get it answered by it not being spoken about. Like somebody will ask it, it's fine. Um, if we start to hear that, uh, Bo Meester, Jack Bo Meester, uh, the true freshman out of Australia is seeing some time with the ones, there's a punting competition. Maybe Hartbarger's not fully back from his ACL yet. Uh, then maybe there's some concern. It's been, I think 10 and a half months, 10 months since he tore his ACL, you would think that'd be enough time for him to get back to full strength and be the guy he was, uh, you know, his first few years at Michigan State. But it, he's a specialist. Uh, he relies on the knee. Uh, not that no one doesn't rely on the knee, but it's just, I don't know, it's, a I think, a different proposition than if he was a running back where you're worrying about cutting and different things. Uh, you know, Maybe it's easier for a punter to come back, but maybe he doesn't fully get back. Maybe he doesn't have quite the strong leg that he had then. Maybe uh, because I believe it was his plant leg, maybe it's just less comfortable. He's less flexible in that area. Who knows? There's all sorts of things that can happen with an ACL uh, reconstruction. So I'm hoping to sort of get the feel throughout camp that he's 100% healthy because the punting situation behind him once he went down was an absolute disaster, and it's one of the more underrated reasons why Michigan State really struggled last season. Punting's always been a strength at Michigan State, at least you know the last handful of years with Sadler and then the first three of Hartbarger. Uh, so seven years, Michigan State was a really solid punting team, and then it all went to hell last year. Guys kept getting hurt. We had walk-ons. We had kids who were just in biology class before they ended up on the team, uh, and it was just we had quarterbacks punting. 
it was a mess. And so getting that position resettled and locked in with a healthy heart barger is huge. I think it's really important. And I think it's something that not a lot of people are talking about. Hopefully we can get an idea that he's got a clean bill of health and is looking like his old self here uh, throughout fall camp. All right, that's going to do it for today's Locked on Spartans. We're back to four episodes a week next yeah, four episodes a week next week, um, starting Monday, probably like a Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. We'll see. I'll play it by ear. Uh, but we're going to have things to talk about from camp. We're going to have guests on. We're going to start going through the schedule. Uh, and we're really going to start hitting things hard here, uh, You know, honing in on whatever we're hearing out of camp, the stories of the day. There's not going to be a ton. Like I said, Michigan State keeps things tight. There's no open practice stuff that we expect to see. Maybe we'll get some glimpses of some uh, actual football. I doubt it, but we'll see. Uh, And anytime we get something interesting to talk about, an interesting quote, someone who's catching people's eyes, we will definitely talk about it these next couple of weeks here as we lead up to the opening game of the season, which is like 29 days away or 28 days away. I think it's 28. Uh, Really excited. It's coming quickly. Uh, and it's going to be here before we know it. Thanks so much for listening to Locked on Spartans. Rate, review, subscribe to the podcast, unsubscribe, resubscribe, do whatever you want. Just hit that subscribe button. Leave a five-star review on iTunes. Leave a a five-star rating. Leave a review as well if you so choose. Uh, Thanks. Oh, last thing here, we're doing a mailbag. I'm doing a mailbag next week. I got a couple of questions. I solicited them on Twitter. Only got a couple. I want to save that. Try to get more questions. So send them in. LockedOnSpartans at gmail.com and Will underscore underscore Hunter 1L2 underscores uh, on Twitter if you have a question that you want to have answered here on the podcast. So LockedOnSpartans at gmail.com or at Will underscore underscore Hunter 1L2 underscores. Send those in. I love doing mailbags. Love when people send in questions. They're always fun. Makes my life a lot easier. Uh, And yeah, we get some interesting discussions that I wouldn't normally think to have. So please do that. All right, that's it for today's show. We'll be back next week with more Locked on Spartans. Until then, go green.